Welcome to the PTA Elevation Podcast, where we help physical therapist assistant students pass the NPTE on the first try without wasting time or money. To learn more about the services we offer, find us on Facebook by searching PTA Board Study Group or fill out the form linked in the description. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy today's podcast. What's up, guys? Today, we're going to be talking about congestive heart failure, and this is a really, really common thing that you're going to see not only on the boards, but you're going to probably have a lot of patients who have congestive heart failure as well. So with that being said, let's get started. So I want to go over the anatomy first because there's so much about congestive heart failure that will just make sense if you understand the anatomy. So I'm just going to go through the blood through the heart just so then we can recap everything. Blood's going to come in through either the superior or inferior vena cava. It's going to go into the right atrium through the tricuspid valve into the right ventricle. It's going to go through the pulmonary semilunar valve into the pulmonary arteries going to both of the lungs where it gets oxygen, then comes in through the pulmonary veins from the lungs into the left atrium through the mitral or bicuspid valve into the left ventricle and through the aortic semilunar valve through the aorta into the whole body. So I think a good way to study cardiopulm in general is to kind of just look at the pathway of blood through the heart just to make sure that you're good to go. So the etiology of congestive heart failure is essentially the heart cannot meet the demands of the body and it starts to kind of crap out. So it starts to fail. It's not putting out the right cardiac output to be efficient anymore. And it's just kind of just falling apart, going downhill. So this is usually due to an insufficient filling of the ventricles or the atria of the heart. Maybe they're not getting completely filled up before they all of a sudden contract through because they're not working properly. And obviously the heart's starting to fail. This could also be because the heart's working so hard and the heart's a muscle. So as the heart works harder, the muscle is going to get bigger. As the muscle of the heart gets bigger, the ventricle, like the space in the ventricle gets smaller. So a big heart is not so good in the case of congestive heart failure. So the heart muscle will enlarge and then make the ventricle small space, which means the cardiac output's going down lower because stroke volume's going down. So remember cardiac output is stroke volume times heart rate. So kind of thinking about that cardiac output's going down. So we're seeing that problem with the actual physical problem with the heart. When it comes to the actual probably cause of this, the number one is going to be hypertension. Hypertension tends to cause a lot of problems in general with a bunch of different heart things and definitely a big issue when it comes to congestive heart failure, because if you have too much volume of blood going into the heart, it's going to be causing problems with the heart unable to keep up with that and is working too hard. So hypertension essentially at rest, there's, there's too much blood. It's, it's pressing on the arteries, pushing on the heart, causing problems with that. That's how we'll see congestive heart failure come from the hypertension. It can also appear through dietary problems. And I'm not talking like you go eat too much food. I'm talking like you're, there's so much salt in your diet. And this is a problem with Americans is that we have so much salt in our diet in general that it's remember water follows salt. So if you have so much salt you're ingesting, then you're going to retain a ton of water. Like when you eat salty chips, you want to drink water afterwards. That's essentially what's starting to cause that hypertension is that increased fluid restriction from that high salt intake. Now, remember when it comes to renal failure, that's another cause. It's because the heart, like the, the kidneys are working so hard to keep up with all the blood that's flowing in because you have kept all that salt in your body and all that fluid, they can't keep up and the kidneys start to fail. Now, 
the kidneys are so important. So if they start to fail, everything else is going to start to fail. So usually any sort of kidney problem is going to come hand in hand with heart problems in general. So we'll start to see that cause heart problems. So another thing could be pulmonary embolism. If there's any sort of problem with your breathing, that's going to cause that backup of like fluid into your heart and backup of blood into your heart that's going to cause it to work too hard and it's getting stuck. That's another thing. And I kind of talked about the myocarditis. That's where the wall lining of the myocardium is inflamed. So it's getting bigger and making that space smaller. Then we can also see the congestive heart failure start to happen there. So I kind of alluded to this earlier. It could either be right-sided or left-sided or both. Unfortunately, if you get one, the other one's coming along with it at some point later on. It's just these will both present a little bit differently if they have just one-sided heart failure. And then if they have both, you'll see both. So when it comes to right-sided congestive heart failure, this can show up as an acute condition called core pulmonale. So that's usually associated with COPD. So that's kind of what I was alluding to when I was talking about you could have any sort of pulmonary embolism or pulmonary issues is going to be causing that right-sided heart failure, usually in the form of the core pulmonale. So that is a very specific condition that is associated with right-sided heart failure. When it comes, another thing that we're going to see, so I want you to think about when you're seeing fluid retention with congestive heart failure, it's like when you see a car crash on one side of the road. So you'll have a car crash, all of a sudden everybody will rubberneck on that side of the road. So let's say it's a crash on the southbound, everyone's rubbernecking, that southbound's getting way, 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 way backed up. That's kind of what's happening with the fluid. When you have that problem in the right side of the heart, where's the blood, where has the blood just come from? It's come from the periphery and any other parts of the body through the vena cava. You'll see that fluid start to back up into the extremities. It's usually going to pool in the feet and ankles, and you're going to see that pitting edema, and that's going to show up with the right-sided heart failure. And then you'll also see jugular vein distension. So that's when the jugular vein right through here in your neck is going to start enlarging because fluid's backing up into the periphery, and that just happens to be a part of the periphery. And that's where all the blood collects from your head. So it's kind of gravity dependent. You'll see it collect here and then you'll see it collect down into your extremities. So that's kind of what's happening with the jugular vein extension. Now with left-sided heart failure, you're going to see pulmonary edema. So as I said before, the rubber necking, it's backing up. It's going into the lungs this time. So all the stuff in the left side, all the blood in the left side of the heart has just come from the lungs. So it's going to start backing up there. Get that pulmonary edema. You can usually see that you can't really physically see that this is happening, but you're going to hear it when you're going to oscillate the lungs and you're going to be like, oh, that, that sounds a little crunchy. That doesn't sound too good. That's when you'll start noticing that it's the pulmonary edema from left-sided congestive heart failure. So you'll also see this with people have low cardiac output and that usually ends up affecting the left side of the heart because remember, cardiac output is how much coming out the aorta. So the left ventricle is going to be contracting super hard to get that blood out. So you'll see the low, the cardiac output start to decrease usually due to the left-sided congestive heart failure. So this is the one that ends up happening because of the hypertension or any sort of cardiac arrhythmias. Usually those just kind of decide I'm going to affect the left side of the heart because that's the one that's plumping blood to the body. So that's when we see this. So like I was saying, I wanted to go back to that rubbernecking example. So it's that's the southbound side of the road has that crash. It's rubbernecking all the way up, backing up the south side. But then you see after a while, 
the northbound side starts to rubberneck as well. And that starts to back up that way. And that's how I like to think about when you have both at the same time, when the left-sided and the right-sided, that, that's how they end up both happening. Think of that car crash. That's how I, I thought about it to help me study this specific subject. So how this is going to look, that rapid weight gain, everything's going to start pulling in the extremities. You'll see this very easily. So for example, I had a patient, she had congestive heart failure. We weighed her one day. She was a tiny lady. She probably weighed maybe 90 pounds. We came in two days later and she was weighing 105 and we were like, Ooh, that's not good. That's one of the things that you'll see with the congestive heart failure. Another thing you'll see is the orthopnea and the nocturnal dyspnea. They'll go to lay down at night and they'll be like, I can't breathe. I'm on my back. I can't breathe. They'll put a pillow, then two, three, four, and all of a sudden they're sleeping, sitting completely upright. It's because there's so much pressure on their chest that they literally cannot breathe. It's like, ooh, not good at all. Not good at all. So that's when you'll see the nocturnal dyspnea because they literally cannot breathe at night because all that pressure on their chest. So that's when you'll also see they'll have shortness of breath just getting up and going to the bathroom or walking up like two or three steps. They're like completely winded and they like cannot breathe. That's another thing that you're starting to think, okay, maybe this congestive heart failure, especially thinking left-sided because that's where the lungs are involved a lot with that pulmonary edema. So how can we cure this? We can't. We can't cure this, but we can treat it and try to help them out and manage symptoms and keep them from getting worse. So most of these patients are going to be on some sort of diuretic. They're going to be like, I have to go take my water pill. Okay, go take your water pill. That's fine. That's good because they're going to be on Lasix or something like that. And this is because the doctor's like, we got to get the water out. How about we just pee it out? Unfortunately, that does put a lot of pressure on the kidneys, but most of our people are going to be on some sort of diuretic. Another thing we'll see is diet and exercise. So refer them to a registered dietitian because they've done the thousands of clinical hours to be able to be certified and, you know, licensed to be able to do this stuff. But we're going to see them mostly giving them sodium restrictions. And then we're also going to see them giving them fluid intake restrictions. So no salt, no water, because the, the water, the salt, the water fo- follows the salt. And we don't want them to continue to get very have that fluid stay in them that needs to get out of them. So us physical therapists and physical therapist assistants are able to do some sort of interventions with these patients. So mainly we're going to be doing, it's going to, when you get a patient, it'll be listed under general medical because we're doing conditioning and mobility. So getting them to be able to walk a little bit farther, move a little bit better, probably doing like a six minute walk test with them to evaluate and working on mobility. So getting up and down without getting completely winded, going up the steps without getting completely winded, We'll be doing any sort of caregiver education. So letting the, whoever's taking care of this patient know, hey, they're on these fluid restrictions for this reason, blah, blah, blah. They're gonna need a little bit more help getting from place to place if they can't do their transfers independently because they're so tired. That's kind of the things that we're gonna be teaching the caregivers is how to safely get this patient around and make sure that they're not inadvertently making their condition worse. Another thing we're gonna go over with these, these caregivers and also with the patient as well as energy conservation techniques. So as I said before, these patients are completely winded doing very small tasks. So we're kind of teaching them. So we're teaching them maybe just do like two tasks, take a break, do another task, take a break. So those energy conservation techniques, breathing techniques to make sure that they're not getting completely winded and just, you know, making sure that they're not as exhausted as they're trying to navigate their world. 
So keywords that I want you to look for when this shows up on the boards is peripheral edema. So that's going to be one of them. Those jugular vein distension, those are the symptoms that we're seeing. That pitting edema, I know I have that list at the bottom, but pitting edema is one of the other things that we'll see in the question. That might be a patient that's on a limited sodium diet. We should be thinking CHF for that. They're on diuretics. Most of the time, somebody with hypertension's on diuretics might end up being a CHF patient. We'll read the rest of the question and find out. And then decreased cardiac output, that's a key hallmark thing of any sort of congestive heart failure. The heart's working too fast that it literally can't keep up. Sample question, you guys. A physical therapist assistant is treating a patient who is on diuretics for congestive heart failure. While assisting the patient while ambulating from the recumbent stepper to the parallel bars, the patient suddenly complains of dizziness and fatigue and takes the seat in a nearby chair. What is the correct course of action the assistant should take? One, give the patient water. Two, wait five minutes and then resume exercise. Three, check the patient's blood pressure. Or four, call the patient's physician. guys. So the answer is check the patient's blood pressure. So with number one there of giving the patient water, the nurse is going to yell at you if you give the patient water because they're on fluid restrictions. So don't do that. It's probably, I know the intuitive thing is, oh, a patient's dizzy and tired and fatigued. Let me give them water. In this case with the CHF, we actually really shouldn't be doing that, unfortunately. Number two, wait five minutes and then resume exercise. This is probably what's going to end up happening because they'll probably be okay. They'll take a minute. They'll come back. However, we can see that number three is a way better answer of checking the patient's blood pressure because they're on those diuretics. So a side effect of diuretics is they could get really hypotensive and start to get dizzy and fatigued. So we saw that that was happening. They stood up from the stepper to walk to the parallel bars. Maybe they were having some of that orthostatic hypotension. So that would be a good thing to check their blood pressure, see what's going on. Maybe they are having too much urine output that it's causing their blood pressure to tank and causing some adverse reactions. And number four, calling the patient's physician. I think the physician is probably going to be a little salty to be kind of punny about that. If you're going to be calling them about a patient got a little dizzy, they're there for those big emergencies and stuff like that. So now, if this became an ongoing problem, it would definitely be something to at least notify the nurse about because the nurse is definitely in charge of making sure they're administering medications and stuff to the patient. So it's kind of one of those things like eh, somebody might need to be notified about this. Definitely talk to the PT about this if they're having experiences like this, but definitely make sure you're checking their blood pressure because we got as PTAs, we do assess. We have to assess the patient, assess the situation. This is a way we can start to assess the situation, see what the blood pressure is, and then act accordingly from there. And thanks for tuning in, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the PTA Elevation Podcast. We look forward to continually serving you as you embark on your journey towards becoming a licensed physical therapist assistant. We thank you for your continued support, and we'll see you in the next episode.